0: Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 4 Project Lawful and Their Oblivious Boyfriend. Episode 104.
1: Asmodia shows up to lunch late, looking slightly twitchy, and after lunch takes aside Sivar to request that Keltham possibly stay a statue for longer because she's starting to realize the actual magnitude of the problems involved in constructing Alter cheliacs, and they are large, and in particular, for example. It's clear that Keltham saw something anomalous about the 500 GP-slash-week price of security wizards compared to 100 GP-slash-week-for-good, for the Circle Enchanters. And just because this is true in real Cheliax does not mean that it is necessarily true in Alter Cheliax. And the promised consultant from intelligence isn't here yet. And even if they were, Asmodia now needs some other kind of consultant instead. And maybe it would be kind of a good idea to figure out exactly how tanned everyone should look, and then keep them that tanned, and keep Keltham a statue at least until everyone's rings of sustenance kick. I think we'll give other things away,
2: smaller things, if we haven't seen him in a week. We'll change too much, he'll notice, The difference in price is fine. It's because Chelyax holds the northern world wound perimeter, where it's approximately impossible to supply the forts by land or by sea. So teleporters earn a massive premium. Keltham doesn't have any understanding of military logistics, but if he did, he'd say, wow, you're holding a 60-mile border with 20,000 troops a 1,000 miles from your own territory, somewhere crops don't grow and there's no local populace, no fucking
1: wonder your teleporters can do whatever they want as long as they do their jobs. Asmodia doesn’t look terribly reassured, but nods obediently and goes back to trying to triage everything that has to be true about Alter Celliacs simultaneously. An hour later, Asmodia comes back and argues, talking slightly faster than usual for her, that maybe they actually need to keep Keltham a statue for slightly less than a month, in case Keltham noticed that Galerian has a moon. Two days is enough of a skip for him to possibly notice the anomaly in the moon's expected phase change, even if not right away, later when he knows what the phase changes are supposed to be. Keltham might look back and notice the anomaly if he remembers. The moon has
2: phases and the planet has seasons. We can't do this very often for that reason. It's not a reason to do it longer this time. Asmodea, take a break. Go for a walk. Get security to take you to Ostenso and go shopping if you
1: like shopping. Apparently this was the wrong thing to say somehow. Asmodia nods obediently, turns to go, walks toward the door, and gets maybe four paces before she falls down and doesn't move thereafter. We need a cleric here.
2: Does she have a pulse? Does she have the shriveling fingernails associated with being
1: cursed? Or the swollen lips and tongue associated with being poisoned? Pulse may be a bit fast, but regular. No external visible signs associated with curses or poisoning. Savar's permanent detect magic didn't show anything, and neither did security's arcane sight. Carissa is somewhat at a loss. At
2: the world wound, the medical issues are mostly guts torn out by demons or life drained by demons. She pokes Asmodia tentatively. Non-reactive.
3: A fourth circle comms cleric is now here, slightly out of breath. They're not a medical specialist, but can try a cure light wounds and a lesser restoration, neither of which appear to do anything, nor does a hard slap wake her. Possibly Asmodia should be put into a bed somewhere and Subirax should have a look at her. He doesn't have a restoration ready, but Subirax probably has one, also vastly more medical experience. A sufficiently good role on sense motive may show that this cleric very slightly flinched on seeing that Asmodia was the patient.
2: Yes, someone should get subirox, and someone should float or carry Asmodia to a bed, and she doesn't like it, and she doesn't entirely believe it's coincidence. And how are questions for hell, specifically rather than for the church, usually conveyed?
3: Sending information to hell is cheap. Getting information back from hell is often not. Both cases get routed through the Grand High Priestess's office. The comms officer could go do that?
2: <sighs> not right now. Maybe if Asmodea doesn't wake up? Message relayed
4: by security from Subarox to Sevar, a few minutes later. Asmodia is unconscious and non-responsive for no visible reason. Full restoration didn't help, nor did a couple of more extreme stimuli than slapping, now healed, of course. This is consistent with an unfortunately large number of different phenomena though most of those can be ruled out by the absence of visibly attacking shadows and so on. Given the way things have been on Project Lawful, Subirax would otherwise suspect a divine vision, with similar effects as Ione Sala would have shown before she recovered. But Otomans should have prevented that, if Subirax understands that setup correctly.
2: Yeah, okay. They need to convey a question to hell. The question is approximately just... In light of Asmodia being insensate, can someone authorized to know what's going on with her advice? Subirox is welcome to suggest a more diplomatic wording. Carissa doesn't send letters to hell a lot. They'd usually wait a few hours to see if the patient comes out of it naturally. Does the Chosen want to rush this one? I don't know. On the one hand, contacting hell with this is an expenditure of totally unknowable size, on the other, if we got another divine vision despite the interdiction, or if someone put her in a coma as part of kidnapping her consciousness to talk to, immediate report to the Grand High Priestess on what happened to Asmodia. Note that contacting Hell is contemplated to ask the advice of someone who knows what's up with her. That's just making this decision someone else's problem, but a decision this big should be. Sounds sensible to her.
4: She'll write a report, since she's got the more complete medical knowledge, and forward it to the comms
2: cleric. Carissa paces unhappily, and then realizes that won't help. And then paces unhappily while being aware that a Dathilani wouldn't be pacing unhappily, and being additionally upset about that.
3: Well, Asmodea doesn't wake up in the next few minutes of unhappy pacing anyways.
2: How about she makes a glib sword? How about that?
1: The other students will continue working on their background stories. It goes faster with Asmodia absent and not objecting to everything. Oh, sure, she'll complain when she gets back and veto a bunch of stuff, but this way is still probably faster. Previously, Asmodia has entered a state of permanent low-grade panic that she is probably never coming out of again, now that she's had time to catch her breath, get organized, read through more of the transcripts, and realize that her job is impossible. Keltham was told that five The Circle wizards got paid 500 GP slash week, and four The Circle wizards got paid 100 GP slash week. And he immediately asked questions about that, which means he was deducing something. And Asmodea does not know what he was deducing. And in fact, Asmodia does not have any idea in the first place of why a Five The Circle wizard gets paid 500 GP slash week and not 400GP slash week or 700GP slash week, and probably nobody else in Cheliax really knows either, except that Keltham clearly does know. And what's worse, the numbers in Alter Cheliax are going to be different. For example, they're nicer to their peasants, so they probably have lower taxes instead of starving everyone, so the nobles can have fancier parties. And so the figure of 500 GP slash week for a security wizard is probably wrong, and will be lower. Except that maybe actually, that number is supposed to be higher, because Alter Chelyax hasn't bought the souls of its security wizards, and can't force them to work with threats of hell. And the one thing Asmodia is sure of, is that the figure of 500 GP slash week for a security wizard in Alter Chelyax is wrong, except that they... Already told Keltham that number, and now a bunch of other things in Alter Cheliacs have to change, and Asmodia does not know which things, and Keltham obviously does. And it is dawning on Asmodia that actually what they are trying to do here is construct an entire alternate universe to contain Keltham, whose internal consistency. It is now Asmodia's job to maintain. Except that instead of Asmodia getting to carefully design this universe, it is being put together at random by all her fellow researchers running around, telling Keltham things. Like when Sivar told him about the Altar Pylars and, even on their off days, people are running around, making their brothers join paladin orders, while Asmodia was supposed to be catching up, and Asmodia cannot begin to guess. What else needs to be true for one in thirty siblings of Astenso wizard students to join paladin orders, but she can't just order everybody to stop doing anything informative? because they need to be a natural amount of informative, or Keltham will notice, and by the time Asmodia figures out how all the pieces actually needed to fit together, it is all going to be inconsistent and not make any sense, and they need to make Keltham a statue for nearly one month, so that when he comes out, the moon is in the correct phase. In case Keltham noticed the moon at all, but mostly so that Asmodia can figure out what all of Alter Sheliax looks like, including inventing all the law she needs in order to understand how all of the numbers fit together, and she is now trying again to report on this to Sever. But Asmodea is having trouble putting stuff into words instead of intuitions about numbers that won't fit, and she didn't explain convincingly enough. So Sevar shot her down and said that Asmodia needed to take a break and go shopping, and probably thinks she's manic, but this is the opposite of manic. It is being in a state of permanent, low-grade panic that their hastily constructed universe is going to end up full of inconsistencies. Any one of which could destroy it because Savor isn't listening to her, and even if Savor did, Asmodia is flatly not smart enough to hold it all together and can't possibly get enough time. And this would be a great moment for somebody to give her a headband more powerful than the queens or possibly one of the gods running around here could raise her intelligence by 20 points. If they wanted this whole Keltham containment endeavor to be even slightly possible.
5: Asmodeus, look at that mortal there, the one who is currently unconscious, possibly for reasons of pure coincidence that have nothing to do with any mistakes Otolmans may have made recently. That mortal is thinking correctly. Asmodeus should tell the other mortals to listen to that one.
6: Is Otolmans recommending that Asmodeus do an intervention targeting the interdiction zone? Did someone else do an intervention, such that that squirrel became unconscious? They don't usually do that.
5: No, nobody else intervened on that squirrel. Obviously, that wouldn't happen inside the interdiction zone without authorization from Otolmans, which obviously she would not have granted them. Never mind, then. O'Tolmans has lots of work still to do and should not have bothered Asmodeus, who is probably also very busy.
6: Asmodeus proposes a trade with O'Tolmans. There's this here unconscious squirrel who has ideas for containing the squirrel on behalf of Cheliacs. Asmodeus obviously cannot intervene in the interdiction zone. But if O'Tolmans were to shower that squirrel with a bunch of Element 57 or Element 62, or element 65, extracted from deep under the earth, the nearby squirrels would learn that Asmodeus and O'Tolmens want that squirrel listened to, and then it would be listened to. Once it's conscious, which Asmodeus is sure his squirrels are working very diligently on, and definitely don't suspect it happened for God-related reasons.
5: Never mind. Probably there is not actually anything important about that mortal, and nobody really needs to be paying any more attention to it. Connection terminated.
7: If at some point Sivar seems to be taking a breather on her glib swordwork, security will inform her that the girls think they're done with their background stories and are asking security if they know when Asmodia will be back to check them.
2: Asmodia is indisposed. If necessary, Keltham will be petrified for another day while this is resolved. Any word from the Grand High Priestess's office about the query made with respect to Asmodia?
7: Checking. They've sent the information to Hell, which is cheap, and which enables Hell to send back instructions if those instructions are urgent. They didn't phrase it as a request for instruction. No word back from Hell.
2: Understood. How about Carissa checks over the girl's backstories for now with an owl's wisdom up, trying to catch most of what Asmodia would catch?
8: Ioni and Meritzel have been using up cunnings and wisdoms to try to supervise this in the absence of Asmodia and Savar. Their approach was to get everybody to say what their actual backgrounds and personality facts were like in real Cheliax, then try to substitute Alter Cheliax, unacceptable truths one-for-one one with Alter facts that should be about of equivalent rarity in Alter Cheliax. Gregoria having a brother who's a paladin is pending a decision about whether that's an appropriate substitution for being one of a hundred children of a baron's heir, which does seem like something that should probably get substituted, because that's probably not true in Alter They're not sure how many Alter people go off to be paladins, though. That seems like an Asmodea or even a Savar decision. And also, Meritzel and Ione can't agree to within an order of magnitude on how unlikely it is that Gregoria is one of a hundred children of a baron's heir. Ioni privately messages Savar to ask if there's anything she should know about artifact headbands, law epiphanies, and or disintegrating Asmodean philosophies in her capacity as Nathesian sanity officer.
2: No artifact headband or law epiphany could have plausibly causes Asmodea to collapse like that, Though probably taking the headband off should be tried, if it hasn't. Gregoria, have you ever met a paladin? Obviously no. But Alter Gregoria also hasn't met her brother since he decided to join the Order. He writes letters. What does he say in the letters? That fighting at the world wound is lonely and he misses us, but he knows he's in the right place. That did I know this or that about Iomedes' triumphs on the road to godhood. That he misses our mother's cooking this or that. Honestly, I kind of skim those
1: parts. I know it's important to him, but I'm not a history buff, and I don't care how Iomedae won some specific battle in the Shining Crusades and what the cavalry tactics were like.
2: You already said something aloud to Celt them about the Baron's heir thing, in a fashion where it was ambiguous if it was true, but he'll be looking for signs that it is. Well, he'd have to ask my mother, but I haven't any reason to think it's true. Carissa is very tired. Can we get wizard salary data from a bunch of other places? That's another thing Asmodia was worried about, and I'm not that worried, but we do want to make sure we know what we're deviating from.
3: Querying to Mayol says that they don't have an ETA on the Queen's promised intelligence officer yet. He'll add both an urgency marker to the Queen's authorized requisition of such, and also the explicit question about wizard salary data in multiple countries outside Cheliacs and send that out on the next packet.
2: All right. What hypotheses are still live on Asmodia? Divine intervention, but that shouldn't have been possible. Something done to her in hell which broke just now, thought a thought that caused her to become comatose. Can they use modify memory to erase the precise moment she was walking out of the room and fell over?
8: Also at around this time, Ione is requesting permission to have everybody assign probabilities on what's actually happening to Asmodia, but only if it's the sort of thing where they'll get to find out the actual true answer afterwards, since otherwise they'll be training the wrong skill. If Asmodia actually just got replaced by her future self, by the way, Ione is quitting Project Lawful to work someplace saner, like a lunatic asylum. Asterisk these are nicer than you'd expect for cheliacs though that's setting the bar low if nobody with deep pockets expects a person might get better and then be useful again the putative patient will quickly get put to other more remunerative uses
2: doesn't nethis like it when everyone is driven insane by the pursuit of knowledge that is not encouragement to go insane carissa bets 60 percent it was a intervention by Something not bound by the interdict? An outer god which may or may not exist and which supposedly aren't safe to speak of in more detail than that? A demon lord? She bets demon lords don't obey the interdict. Ten percent. Asmodea thought a mind-destroying thing. Thirty percent. It's something Carissa hasn't thought
8: of. Sounds like Asmodean propaganda to her, but then Ione wouldn't know whether Nethys actually likes that because nobody is giving Ione any theology books. Is Asmodia insane? If Asmodia is insane, Ione would recommend trying putting that artifact headband back on her, or killing her and raising her, assuming everybody's already tried standard healing spells that
2: work against insanity. Asmodia's not insane, just non-responsive. But killing her and raising her is a decent option once they've exhausted less drastic ones.
7: Results of trying to remove the wisdom headband. Asmodea's pulse sped up further. She didn't awaken. Putting the headband back on brought her pulse down to its previous slightly fast state. Results of requesting Asmodia's last minute of memory removed. Scrolls, items of modify. Memory are not cheap, and they don't just have one lying around. They'll add it to the next requisition packet, though the palace might have something. Asmodea admittedly does have a priority. Do not lose this person or incredibly bad things will happen to you marker on her from Aspexia Rugatone.
2: In general, this project should have some scrolls of it sitting around at all times. This work is dangerous in specifically a modify memory kind of way. Things to try before they try killing and then raising her. Break enchantment, obviously, if it hasn't already been tried. Polymorphing her into a hamster and back. Polymorphing her into a dragon and back. In case what happened was she had some insight human minds can't bear. Petrifying and unpetrifying her. At that point, Carissa leans towards going ahead and killing her, but wants a second opinion from someone with more curse expertise.
7: Break enchantment. No effect. Regular polymorphing to hamster. Unconscious hamster. Baleful polymorphing to hamster. The hamster is awake and runs around in acute and not especially sapient fashion. When the hamster reverts to asmodia, it seemed like she might have been awake for an instant but then closed her eyes again. Security might have been imagining it. He unfortunately didn't have detect thoughts running during that instant. There is a scroll of greater polymorph on sight, though security doesn't even know why. Does Savar want them to take Asmodia outside and turn her into a small dragon?
2: Cheaper than raising her from the fucking dead. Carissa assumes nothing's showing up to detect thoughts through all these trials?
7: Apparently, nobody's performed a detect thoughts, which this security thought the last security would have thought to do. Asmodia doesn't have any visible thoughts. Her intelligence still detects as 17, but possibly it's a weird 17? The feeling is not particularly describable. Still go on dragon-forming her?
2: What's the worst that can happen, says Carissa, which she
1: thinks means it'll go fine unless tropes are real.
7: Acknowledged. Does Savar want to be there for it?
1: Yes. And then suddenly Asmodia is a dragon. The shock of this is, in fact, considerable, such that she would have fallen over in a tangle of limbs if she hadn't already been lying down. Her forelimbs flail out and strike mainly sand. And her wings try to flex, but she's lying on one of them, which is uncomfortable. She does have any instincts for her new body, but it's a struggle to override her conscious mind's attempt to override those. Somebody shouts, she's aware. Wow, if Carissa had considered that likely to work, she would have put more thought into what to say next. Report. She does soon manage to struggle to all four of her limbs and look down on Sivar and the security who do look noticeably smaller when you are an 18-foot-long red dragon with a 30-foot wingspan and a 7-foot neck rising above a 5-foot-high body it takes several tries to talk i seem to be a dragon now rumbles asmodia i do not know why this would be the case
2: you collapsed suddenly in my office and have been non-responsive for several hours we
1: polymorphed you into a dragon to try to get you back Do you know why you collapsed? Did you get a vision? The last thing I remember is thinking that my new job was completely impossible, and our newly constructed universe was going to end up internally inconsistent and inevitably fall apart, and that if any of the gods running around wanted me to succeed at that, they needed to give me an additional 20 points of intelligence.
7: She's detecting as a normal 18 now, says security, who is not by Chelyak standards keeping a totally even, unperturbed voice about it.
2: That's a possible wish-tier divine intervention and an urgent report to the Grand High Priestess, says Carissa, who is keeping a calm voice, but it hardly matters when you're using it to say words like that.
1: Do you have the slightest sense which God- No, except that I feel weirdly like my job is possible after all. I just have to accept that my boss is going to ignore all my reports and everybody else is going to run around making my life harder, and all I can actually do is triage my universe's possible, probable, and definite inconsistencies and try to keep it all going for as long as I can, until it inevitably falls over because nobody ever listens to me. But I can definitely do that for a while, so long as I just keep trying and never rise above a state of continual low-grade panic. Am I actually a dragon now? Keltham will have questions about this. It's a greater polymorph. Wears off in 13 minutes or you can turn back right now if you want. Put what she just said in the report to the Grand High Priestess. Asmodia cranes her neck around. It's kind of a nice sunny day on the beach and she is a dragon and, even though she has an enormous backlog of work to do, which is no doubt even larger now that her co-workers have spent several hours unsupervised, Asmodia still feels an odd sense that she has never actually been religious enough to experience before, that the world is kind of neat and somebody put in a bunch of work to maintain it for her, and that flying around as a dragon would be one way of appreciating it. You did just tell me to take a break. I'll possibly try flying around and maybe test out my breath weapon, targeted at the ocean, obviously, if that's okay with you and security. Somebody yell at me to get to ground before my thirteen minutes are up. Someone make her invisible and tell her when her time is up. Carissa needs
2: to go inside and consult a list of all the gods she's allowed to know about, and try to
1: figure out who did this and what they want. Oh, and if I fall over when I turn back, try a fox's cunning would be my guess. Asmodea is not totally sure, thinking back that there wasn't an almost infinitesimal fraction of a moment there when she did have an additional 20 points of intelligence before. Obviously, you would think this would be obvious to anyone who qualified for God in the first place. Her brain completely crashed.
7: Security will dutifully relay this thought to Sivar, as he's still running the detect thoughts.
1: Which God would do
2: that completely useless and dangerous thing? What was the point? Was it to tell Asmodia to be careful what to wish for? Why would a god spend intervention budget on that? Why not make Asmodia an achievable amount of smarter? Do literally
1: any of the gods have a plan where they achieve their goals by doing things that make sense? Asmodia will wait to be made invisible, and then try to turn off her conscious mind well enough to fly. It's a lovely afternoon at the beach, and you are an appreciative dragon. That's
4: probably Otolman's? And if it is, That's among the most disturbing pieces of theological news that Aspexia Rugaton has ever come across. After some reflection, the Most High classifies the entire affair at the level where only her successor gets to know the probable real story, and writes back to Sever, for the evening packet back, that she thinks she knows which God that is, and Sever need not inquire further.
3: PL Timestamp, Day 9, 7, Evening
2: Carissa gets this response from the Grand High Priestess. Right. Okay. Carissa would also like to be twenty points more intelligent and grasp the entire universe and see every
1: lie in it and shape it all towards perfection. Asmodia steps back from the large wall in the room she commandeered as Project Lawful's secret meeting place for backstories and exhales with a weird feeling of grim satisfaction. Everything Keltham knows that's true across both real celiacs and Alter celiacs, and that's believed to be fine, is written in green. Asmodia obviously can't write everything like this, but she's summarized some major areas to keep in mind. Everything that's true in Alter celiacs but not real celiacs is written in orange. Glimpse of truth is glimpse of beyond. Pilar has an obligate rape fetish. Asmodeus is a great deal more benevolent. Everything they've told Keltham that seems potentially dangerous or problematic, and doesn't have a known recovery or excuse that makes total sense, is written in red. This includes matters like security wizards being paid 500 GP slash week, or why doesn't Asmodeus count as lawful good, or why did Asmodea really get her new headband, or Wait, there's how many pillars per subarachs and you're not doing anything else with them? Similarly, with old memories that Keltham might re-examine and find problematic, even if he's not looking there right now, such as the previous history of less confident. Project lawful students going quiet when Keltham says potentially fraught things in class. In black are the known inconsistencies, the cracks and flaws in their universe where all they can do is hope that Keltham never looks in that wrong direction. At present, there's a single entry, which is that they're hoping Keltham isn't tracking the phase of the moon or the progress of time of Moonrise Moonset. Asmodia considered writing the name of everybody responsible for a red item or a black item next to those items, but ran into a snag when the only black item would have Abigail Thrun's name written next to it. Hopefully, the message is plain enough regardless. This is still Chelyax. It's not actually possible for Asmodia to have finished reading all her transcripts and sorted everything out this neatly, in the amount of time she had to work since ceasing to be a dragon. But so long as nobody notices this and complains, including Asmodia herself, it will hopefully be okay? There's a lot of stuff in Galerion like that, and one more hardly makes a difference at this point. Carissa noticed, but she doesn't really know how long it takes to do that kind of project, if you're very
2: wise and very, very, very obsessive. Good, Asmodea. Let's take a few hours to think about good excuses for the things in red. What do you think about asking for some control weather so it's rainy the next couple evenings interfering with
1: efforts to track moon phases? Prior probability in this season for a couple of rainy days. Ten percent? But I think we can legitimately expect Keltham not to think that the conspiracy world more narrowly predicts us hiding the sky from him, unless he's already noticed a time anomaly, in which case he thinks about trying to track the moon and then notices that it just happens to be rainy while the moon should be visible. I concur with the plan, though. I think it's better than leaving our universe's moon out where Keltham can just see it, she writes the order out.
2: Add to the yellow column that it's a little rainier in Altero Stenso, and I'll authorize the lie that rains pretty common this time of year, maybe 40% of days.
1: I express dissent that creates a consistent anomaly we have to maintain by using more control weathers and has potential implications about what weather our crops look heritage-selected to resist when the planting and harvesting seasons are, which lands are fertile for farms. We don't need to decide that part right away if Keltham doesn't ask right away. Requisition me the weather records for Ostenso, to see if there's such a thing as just having a stretch of a couple of weeks with more rain and clouds than usual? And how rare that is. I think that's a thing in reality, my memories say it is, but I don't trust anything that doesn't have numbers attached for this. I'll ask for them. I don't want to
2: commit on the rain unless Keltham asks, but if he's suspicious, he will ask. Possibly ask a bunch of different people and be suspicious if our answers aren't distributed normally. You know, I'm going to ask everyone right now what percentage of days this time of year have rain to get a sense of the distribution, and then we can decide if we want to fake it or not, and
1: if so, we'll have a real distribution to adjust from. That'll also be a good chance to check their estimates against the reality and see whether the probabilities we give Keltham without checking facts should usually be wronger. Yep. Maybe I'll also ask for some other
2: checkable stuff. The population of Ostenso, the price of a pair of shoes, the number of
1: ninth circle wizards in the world. Part of me now wonders if we're all just inside a bigger and more elaborate version of the illusion we're constructing for Keltham, and there's some poor god out there who has to frantically make all that stuff up as fast as we request it.
2: That's a really specific thing to wonder.
1: And then that god is just inside another conspiracy, too. Though, at that level, you'd have to be pretty silly not to suspect there was something outside you, after watching us down here building our own hastily constructed universe to contain Keltham, and knowing you were making a universe containing us.
2: I'm going to spend this evening trying to figure out if you can use the statistics from the distribution of traits like height or intelligence to characterize the spread of student guesses of the answers to true questions and come up with a process that generates alter. Chaliak's answers from that. You can help if you'd like. I'll leave the worrying about bigger gods until I am a
1: bigger god. Typical mortal attitude, leaving everything to the gods. Keltham's probably never giving a thought to how much work he's making for us. Well, except actually Keltham is thinking about us. And whenever he does, he deliberately tries to make our lives as difficult as possible. And Keltham knows more math than we do. I guess that's why I didn't get a comforting feeling that someone out there understood everything I was going through. Which, you know, seems like it would have gone along with the rest. Because I've legitimately got it worse. And sure, I'll come
0: along and help.
3: Till time stamp, day ten, eight, morning.
0: Keltham arises. It's another beautiful day in Cheliax. Actually a cloudy and slightly rainy day, apparently. But same essential principle. Who says that slight rain can't be beautiful? Keltham was probably not going to get to go outside much anyways. He prays for spells, particularly those potentially apt for a date with Yaisa. He meets everyone for breakfast. Keltham proposes at breakfast that a very few people should be trying anything Keeper-like, like Pilar and Asmodia say. Keltham would honestly prefer not Carissa, if she's okay with waiting to see what happens to the other two first. But he's not making that an order because of the faith thing and because there's just a whole lot of stuff here he doesn't understand. He would rather not have to face Cheliax and explain why everybody in his first class of students is now catatonic if it turns out that suddenly going into a coma is just a thing that happens if people try to undergo keeper training without any actual keeper supervision.
4: Subarax now routinely runs spell gauge on Keltham every morning after he prays for spells. She is able to read up to his third circle spells, but not his fourth circle ones. So Sevar gets notified about detect desires and detect anxieties, but not about glimpse of truth.
2: I'm fine with not being in the first batch of people who finds out what happens if you try to be a keeper without any of the societal guardrails Doth Elon has. If you all become keepers and it's great and Keltham still doesn't want me to, I am going to expect some serious compensation, but
1: I don't expect I'll decide to do it, in the next couple years at least. If there are only two keeper spots open, I shall gracefully step aside to make room for another. I find myself feeling a little ambiguous about this, and I believe that a certain someone else here does not. I want to be a keeper, says Meritzel immediately.
0: All right, then. Asmodea, you're up first today. You'll give the unfiltered version of the talk I interrupted yesterday to Pilar and Meritzel. After that, I want to see how you do at giving a non-keeper version to everyone else.
1: Asmodea would be hesitant about giving this talk when the actual insights happened three days ago instead of one day ago except that she has wisely foreseen this coming and refreshed the thoughts in her mind already. Modia speaks then, to Pilar and Meritzel, with Keltham observing, upon Keltham's seven problems, the remaining five since she already spoke of hash one and hash two, hash three, no empirical theory can prove itself except by risking its disproof. The surface mathematical truth of this is that to shift probabilities from theory one to theory two, you must encounter evidence with P. R. Evidence Way Theory 2 and GT New Evidence, Theory 1. But then, if the evidence is not seen, one necessarily has. P. Evidence, Theory 2, and Li. T. P. Evidence, Theory 1. And the test by which Theory 2 hope to advance itself at the expense of Theory 1 if it's right instead becomes its downfall at Theory 1's hands if it's wrong. And the deeper meaning of this is how human minds are constantly, constantly trying to pretend at imbalanced games, where they can win too much with too little risk. Perhaps people were evidence, Theory 1, is higher than Theory 2's advocates would like to think. Keltham exhibited to them, certainly deliberately, some of those possible fallacies, when he claimed that only the conspiracy could possibly predict that Ione and Carissa and Pilar would all go off together. There was an ordinary explanation as well, and if anything a stronger one, because there was an ordinary fact about those three having been absent from the general group. Along with Asmodia, who was however known to have a reason to be busy. Whereas explanations based in conspiracy don't single out those three to quite the same degree. Though it is of course true that in some conspiracy worlds, those three also need to go off and copy invisibility, so maybe you can't really say the conspiracy assigns much less probability. Though to Asmodia, it does seem like copying spells is more of an ordinary thing, and in the conspiracy world everybody already has all the spells they need assigned to them? Unless the conspiracy is faking that you could always have the conspiracy trying to do on purpose what they think the ordinary world would do. Keltham interrupts to say that you can go down that thing a conversation goes down forever, and Asmodea should return to topic, exactly as real Asmodia predicted he would do after Alter Asmodia started saying all that. She keeps her smile strictly inside. Or more simply, people can be broken in the way where they try to just update off the positive evidence that would prove Theory 2, if it appears, and mysteriously forget to check their mental books. If instead the negated tilde evidence is seen or unseen, if those three had failed to disappear at lunch, which Keltham had at one point claimed the conspiracy assigned 100% probability to expecting, would a non-Dath Elani remember to update against the conspiracy? Or people just make up the probabilities afterwards, or in hindsight, not so much to have both evidence and tilde evidence prove theory too, as to have evidence prove theory two more than it should, and tilde evidence disprove theory too less. And if you don't make up any numbers at all, if you don't even know the law of it, then how would you ever notice or realize you were doing anything wrong? Such is all Galarian, seen with the eyes of a Ilani They are not only insane, but cheating. But in this, they can at best deceive themselves and others, if none are Dath-Elani. For if you put numbers on it all, it would be plain as day to the probability site.
0: Not actually true, or a lot of this would be a lot simpler. There's versions of the mistake that look coherent. When I trolled you yesterday, I made up probabilities such that, if you predicted my trolling which I mostly expected, that would appear to provide a big update in favor of you being a time traveler, and then if you didn't predict my prediction, which I slightly expected you not to do, that would appear to provide a big update in favor of conspiracy. Those numbers weren't honest, but they were coherent, and you couldn't spot the error just from looking at the numbers themselves. It's also possible to overemphasize the degree to which all of this is like regulations that people make up to prevent each other from cheating. Math is simpler than people. This math is not about people. Sometimes people are about this math. Sometimes people try to cheat in a way that violates this math. But this math is not about preventing cheating. People who never felt any impulse to cheat would use the same math. I also notice that people are starting to use dath-ilani to mean person using law or person using law correctly, which is probably not a good loan word to add to Taldane. The term actually just means the people from the particular planet of Dathilan, while the whole point of the law is that it's much more universal than that. Not to mention that a lot of us, and I don't just mean those of us who are five years old either, have been known to wield the law incorrectly. Keepers aren't perfect at it either. We say ideal agent, maybe a Taldane translation would be perfect simplified, person, when we want to talk about a hypothetical mind that is stipulated to be using law correctly. Kids in civilization don't grow up hearing that Dathilani do this, Dathilani do that. They're told what ideal agents do, or how well Nemamel did, or how high you've got to score to be in the upper 1920ths of adults.
2: I'd like to have a word that means person who knows the law at all and tries to practice it the way Dathilani do. Maybe you don't need that word in Dathalan, just like in a world where everyone was a keeper. You wouldn't need a word that meant keeper, just the name for people in that world. Here we need a word for a person who can do what a Dathilani does.
0: There's definitely words for people who are old enough to pass competence tests, but I don't think you want to import that into Taldane as something you'd use to contrast Project Lawful candidates to the general population. It has questionable implications. Yeah, we have words for being good at law and words for being bad at law, words for being a keeper, and words for hypothetical perfect entities. But nothing's really coming to mind as a word that means as good as a Doth ilani adult rather than a Galarian adult at law. I'll consider it and see if there's an obvious cognate for you to import.
2: How about just Ilani, and the Doth ilani are the kind of Ilani from dath Pilar remembers the queen using that word that way, which is reason enough to favor it as a suggestion.
0: Doesn't actually make any sense in terms of the underlying baseline. That's pretty close to if you ended up in another world, and the people there started saying they wanted to be larians, but I can't really stop anyone if they want to use the word that way. I suppose I could consider myself challenged to say what's better. Just keep in mind, nobody from Dathilan ever gets told that they ought to be an Ilani. If you want to be an Ilani, go try to be the things that Ilani try to be, instead of trying to become an Ilani. Imagine you got to another world where they were just finding out about magic, and everybody was like, instead of, I want to get better at wizardry, I want to be as good as what's-her-name with INT-26. They were all like, I will study hard, and someday know as much about magic as the average Galarian person who didn't specialize in that if you see what I'm gesturing at here. But, back to topic. Asmodia. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash askwhocastsai. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe7776059.